you are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. This is Punch Radio, and it's time for the nerdy news. In the studio today, we have Tony and Kathy and Brennan and Jody, and we will, by the miracle of pre-recording, also hear from Craig and Hank and uh, get some good picks. They've always got good stuff for us to watch. Um, we're going to change up the order today. Usually we start with a little toy talk with Tony and Kathy, but we're going to leave them till the end. Um, and we're going to start with Brennan for a change. Usually you're near the end and you're going to talk about music comics. I understand uh, what's on the plate, sir. That's right. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel a lot of pressure going first, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I will do my best. Uh, so today I want to talk about a couple comics that are rooted in music and have music as part of like a main part of the story. So the first one I wanna talk about has just came out last week. Uh, it's Holler Number One by Jeremy Massey. And it follow, it's, a, it's a, a biopic comic, if you will, which by the way, if they're gonna spell biopics, B-I-O-P-I-C, that's biopic. They should put a hyphen in the middle and make it biopic. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, um, and it follows um, Jeremy Massey's life growing up in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia in the 1990s, and he plays guitar in what he calls a loud grunge band. And so we see him and his friends developing their band, going through the struggles you go to, living in a small town, feeling like you're going to make it, finding the right band name. Uh, in this case, they become the band Magnesium Mama, after many conversations. And the very first page of the very first story is that he plays in a loud garage band but his family also begins to attend a very conservative church. And so he talks about trying to be in a band while at the same time feeling like he doesn't fit in because he's the only one that seems to like this kind of music except for him and his friends. The artwork is, is really, really cool. It's got a very kind of like cartoony kind of look to it, but it also has really different perspectives. So sometimes I find when work is cartoony, it kind of has a tendency just to always be from one, one angle or one perspective, but this one has different perspectives and different angles. Uh, it's a really good story if you all are interested in music, uh, especially if you grew up in the 90s. This will feel like a book that's right at home for you. Because if you weren't in a band, which you probably were, your best friend was. Or you knew someone that was in a band. So uh, Hollow Number One, check it out. Uh, it's really, really good. And a bit of a flip side to that, the other one I want to talk about was Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners quite know a lot about it. But this follows the adventures of Scott Pilgrim who plays in his band, Six Babam, and he's dating a high school girl, Knives Chow, and falls in love with Ramona Flowers. He wants to date Ramona Flowers, but she has seven deadly exes, and he has to defeat all of them at the same, in different battles throughout the book. It's a very much like a manga-inspired kind of comic that has its roots. It's reality-based, but it's a heightened reality. When you defeat your enemy, they blow up in little coins like in video games. So it touches on comics and manga and video games all in one great package. The movie right now is on Netflix and it's really, really good. Um, but it wasn't actually received as well as I thought originally. I just did a bit of research. The budget was around $60 million and the worldwide gross was only $47 million. So Technically, it was a flop at the box office. Um, but if you don't know the comic and don't know what you're getting into, maybe that was maybe part of the disconnect, just because it's such a sort of hyper-realized story, but it's also very sincere in another way. So I think sometimes people weren't sure to take it as like a real drama comedy movie or what it was. I'm not sure how else to explain it. But 
Uh, it's great, has a great cast. Um, check it out. So Scott Pilgrim, oh, and Beck did the soundtrack. All the music that Sex Bomb plays was recorded and written by Beck. Um, and the soundtrack is amazing. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world slash versus universe. Check that out for comics and movie. And then go check out Holler number one to get your uh, rock and roll music comic fix. Um, I'd like to piggyback on that with uh, Elaine Will has a new comic in Saskatoon. Uh, she's a local creator and she has a comic. Just the first one is out and it's called Last Band on Earth. And it's really, really good. Uh, especially I, I'm impressed with all the gear. Um, just like, you know, it shows them rehearsing and just like all the amps and monitors and all the stuff that, you know, pedals and things that, that musicians have and uh, all those little details are there. So it's really, really good. Okay, well, I want to talk about comics this week as well. So last week, a couple of releases that came out that were sadly disappointing. Um, the first one was Engine Ward. This is George Mann and Joe Eisma. It's uh, from Vault. And the cover looked really cool. So I was like, hmm, this looks good. But I don't know, it just kind of was like, meh. It's like, you know, two-tier society where you've got, you know, people struggling and, you know, there's not enough water for when it kind of focuses on this gal who's like a really awesome engineer and she's trying to fix her robot. And uh, she's got it hooked up to this thing and her friends are off on an adventure and they bring her back this weird fossil head. And meanwhile, there's, you know, the upper echelons and they're named after all the zodiac signs, which is kind of like, okay, really unimaginative, thank you very much. But uh, anyways, they have all the power and all the water and uh, yeah, they're just kind of like, we don't care about all those tiny little people. It's no big deal. What could they do anyway? But when she uploads, she plugs this fossil into her super machine it is actually maybe like another god or something that's going to create another god to rival these other zodiac gods and it uploads its consciousness into her robot because he also seems to be plugged into the same machine so that's where we end up at the end of the issue so no big spoilers there but um yeah it could be good but it just i don't know it just sort of seemed played out to me I was bummed. So then I was like, okay, well, I'll read Sacred Six. This is like number one. This is the new Jay Lee book. It's like all the gals, Vampirella, etc. They're gonna like fight the power. And it was, again, I was just kind of like, I'm not a big Vampirella fan. I'm not currently reading that storyline. So there's like all of these different characters that I don't really know. And so it made it really convoluted because like seriously, every page or two pages, the story flips to somebody else. And it's like, I don't know who these people are. There's like a mayor and he is getting a hard time from these bad vampires. And so then he needs some help. And so I think they're gonna recruit these other like super ladies to come and fight. And yeah, so it's like Draculina, Pantha, Nyx, and Chastity are all going to the town of Ashthorn to help out. And this is in uh, Georgia. And in the shadows is Lilith, who is the immortal sorceress and mother of Vampirella. So Brennan, you're the Vampirella expert here. Are you looking forward to reading this? I, I was until <laughs> like it when when i saw the concept because I, I like i mean I, I have the original vampirilla when she fights pantha for the first time in some of those books 
Um, so I was quite looking forward to it, but, uh, but with like nervous bated breath because Vampirilla to me is a bit like Wonder Woman. Sometimes people don't know how to write her. And so sometimes they'll have a story where they just get into a groove and really head out of the park. And sometimes it's just not good at all. So I was a little bit nervous going in. I haven't read it yet. So I'll have to go pick it up so I can actually check it out. But maybe we'll see. Maybe from a more a Vampirilla fan, I'll have a different perspective. But I haven't read it yet. So I'm, I'm cautiously excited. Okay, well, sorry to put you on the spot there, but uh, I'm hoping that it's a case where, um, you know, sometimes you get a, a, a new comic and it's all your favorite characters and you're just like, oh, you jerks, why are you pandering to the stupid people who don't read this and don't know anything? Like, just jump in and get the story going already. So maybe that's the case where it's just, I'm ignorant and I don't know enough to like, be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm pretty astute usually with that kind of stuff if it's well written, but I really just found that this jumped all over the place and I was kind of like, Bleh. so then I, the last one that I picked off the shelf was really good. And this was one that we got a pre-order of. It's an advanced reader copy. It's called Dry Foot. And it is about a group of friends uh, in the 1980s. They live in Miami and they're just kind of tired of all the drugs and violence that are in their neighborhood. And so they decide that they're gonna rob the most dangerous gang in the city and then take off to Hollywood. That's their big plan. But it's actually pretty fun. And I'm gonna get this. I think that it saved the day for me. It saved my lunch break when uh, the uh, other comics let me down. So there you go. Okay, those are my picks for the week. All right, now we're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig with some movie and TV news. Take it away, fellas. All right, thanks, Jody. It's uh, Craig Silliphant and Hank Cruz here, and we're going to talk about some things we've been watching and doing and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what, do you got? what do you got for us today, Hank? Okay, uh, I'm sure that uh, you have been spending a fair amount of time at home with the family uh, when you're not at work, right? Yes. So do, and... Uh, I don't want to brag, but I'm uh, I'm a pretty cool dad. So when my daughter's like, "Oh, Daddy, can we please watch the Babysitters Club?" I went, "Hey, my sister used to read those books. How bad could it be?" Yeah, I want to watch the Babysitters Club. So uh, what I've been watching lately is uh, on Netflix they brought back the Babysitters Club. And if you don't know, um, which you may or may not know because your daughter isn't quite uh, old enough to know about the Babysitter's Club yet. Uh, your son isn't quite old enough to get babysitting, but uh, a group of young girls form a club where they go babysitting for people in the neighborhood. And then, oh, there's no mysteries. Oh, no. Oh, there's nothing. They just babysit. But another group of older kids, like high school girls, they get together to form a babysitting group or something too, and they start competing against them. So we got to get the new marketing ideas out there. We got to do, oh, it's a thing. So for those of you that read the Babysitter's Club books, uh, I have been told that the series is very true to the books. Uh, it's been updated a bit for, of course, uh, 2020. And uh, I, uh, I'm actually enjoying it, which um, I wasn't prepared to tell anybody. But you know what? Let's just tell everybody now. I I'm liking the Babysitter's Club. Well, you know, this is uh, community radio. It's a safe space. And so, you know, we, we uh, support your viewing habits there. And also on Netflix, uh, the epic tales of Captain Underpants in space came out. So right. now there's episodes that they're in space. So now uh, they're in space uh, dealing with an angry toilet. So we go from the Babysitter's Club, we're like, oh, to now Captain Underpants in space, which uh, also was quite good. And uh, we just finished the Animal Crackers movie. 
that was supposed to come out in 2017. It's an animated movie that I think an animation company like Spain or something uh, combined with Australia, they went and made this with actual name actors for voice acting. And the studio went bankrupt. Uh, so another studio got it. They ended up going under. So eventually it just sat on the shelf and Netflix finally bought it and put it out. Um, yeah, pretty good show. The kids, uh, I think, uh, gave it an 8 out of 10 and a 9 out of 10. I gave it a 70-something, I think. But it's a, uh, a family must use a magical box of the animal crackers. You know, the little little treats, yeah. little animal to uh, save a rundown circus from being taken over by evil Ian McKellen. He plays the bad guy. He's evil. Uh, Emily Blunt, uh, John Krasinski are in it. Sylvester Stallone is in it, who says, Bullet Man. 48 times in different ways. He really only has like one line in the movie till the end. And uh, quite enjoyable as a family. I wouldn't recommend if you don't have the kids with you watching this movie, but uh, as a family, pretty uh, pretty good show. I'm surprised they kept it uh, held back so long. So there we go. Interesting. I haven't watched the Captain Underpants in space, uh, but I have seen a lot of Captain Underpants and I read the books and I definitely, uh, I approve of Captain Underpants. Oh, the things they get into in space. Uh, I don't know if we can talk about that on community radio. It's kind of gross. Fair it's gross. I'm yeah, sure space uh, toy. my son will make me watch it unless he's already burned through it all, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, <laughs> so I have been watching a show that's actually, I'm kind of most of the way through season two right now. And I know the show is renewed for a third season, uh, but obviously they probably, you know, they, I'm assuming haven't started production yet. Uh, it's called Shrill, and it's, yeah. a, it's a Hulu show. Uh, it's based on a book by Lindy West called Shrill, Notes from a Loud Woman. And it stars uh, A.D. Bryant, who you'd recognize from uh, Saturday Night Live mostly, uh, as a woman who is a writer, uh, and she is... Uh, basically like the premise is that she's you know an overweight young woman who wants to change her life uh, but not her body and she's trying to make it as a journalist while juggling bad boyfriends sick parents a perfectionist boss uh, and you know of course the world around her deems her not good enough for a lot of these things she wants to do because of her weight and so she starts to realize she's as good as anybody else and she starts to act on it a little bit uh, I would say, uh, well, I should mention Julia Sweeney, Daniel Stern play her parents. Uh, and so there's lots of great uh, side characters and, and great actors playing them. She's got a, I can't, I forget the guy's name, but he is also on Saturday Night Live and he plays like a troll that is stalking her. Uh, <laughs> really funny character. And he's really good in the show actually too. Um, but uh, the show itself, it's really funny. There's a lot of laugh out loud stuff. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of shows like this recently, but that's great. Um, it's, I would say once in a while, it goes a little too far over the top for me and just gets a little too silly. Like it establishes that great premise that I just said, but then sometimes it'll get like just moments of stupid ridiculousness that feel like too far. Uh, but aside from that, you know, it's a really fun show and I think it's really smart. Uh, the other thing I watched in the last week or so is a movie called The Rental, uh, directed by Dave Franco, brother of James Franco, his directorial debut. And the screenplay is actually written by Joe Swanberg with Franco. Uh, Swanberg, if anybody doesn't know, is a, like, uh, you know, a famous mumblecore director or infamous, maybe. Uh, it stars Dan Stevens from The Guest and Downton Abbey, Alison Brie. And it's a, basically about a two couples that go to a rental place for the weekend. And there's all sorts of like interpersonal shenanigans going on with them. But they uh, start to realize that they are uh, under attack 
from someone or something, uh, not in a supernatural way, but like uh, in a stalkerish kind of way that they have to deal with. So uh, really it's like, you know, an Airbnb horror, I guess is what you could call it, where it's kind of trying to make that, that sort of concept scary. So uh, overall it was okay. I can't say it was really that great. Uh, might be, you know, it's, it was, it was fine. I've seen worse, um, but uh, you know, there you go. So hmm. I've watched um, all of Shrill uh, and I, and I love it. Um, I noticed when it started that Warren Michaels was a producer and then because there was a few people from Saturday Night Live on there, I'm like, well, is this just going to be another Saturday Night Live thing? And as it turns out, he only produced the first, I think, first season, I think, six episodes somewhere in there. So he's not a producer anymore. But uh, but no, not like Saturday Night Live. I love it. It's like the book. The uh, writer of the book, of course, wrote uh, the episodes with uh, A.D. Bryant, who also is credited as a writer on there. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And, and it does get a little quirky and, and weird. But I don't know. It's fun. It's a fun show near the end. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. And, and some of the episodes were directed even by like Carrie Brownstein, uh, Natasha Leon uh, directed an episode. So there's some like cool, uh, a lot of female directors, in fact, but a lot of, a lot of cool, uh, talented people that are great actors and writers in their own uh, right uh, directing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's called Shrill. It's on Hulu, or I guess I've been watching it on Crave. Crave. Yes, Crave. So, uh, so there you go. And we're uh, going to throw back to Jody here. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Okay, Kath. You know what happens? Every once in a while, you get lucky in life and you get to see the best movie in the world on the big screen. What movie is that? It's The Empire Strikes Back, of course. <laughs> it is definitely The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, we were lucky enough, the Roxy Theater decided that they're gonna play The Empire Strikes Back on the 11th of July. So we were lucky enough to get tickets for both shows. There was a two o'clock show and a seven o'clock show. We went to both showings. Emperor Strikes, Emperor Strikes Back to me is the epitome of all uh, the best things in my life that happened when I was young. There was toys, there was festivals in the streets, there was pinatas okay. in my basement with, mm -hmm. with, filled with Star Wars candy. Uh, I love The Empire Strikes Back in, in all seriousness. It is definitely my favorite show. It was really nice to be able to get out and see it in the big screen. Maybe for the last time, you know, these things don't happen very often. So yeah, it was fun. We went and uh, we saw the two o'clock show and the seven o'clock show, like I said. What did you think? Of Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, or the, big the, screen. Whole, the whole experience? The whole experience. Uh, it was nice to be back in a theater and the Roxy is a nice theater to go back to. Uh, it was a little weird navigating the lines. They had, you know, like the grocery stores, uh, tape on the carpet where this is the way you go to get a snack. This is the way you go to get into the theater. They wanted you to wear masks in the lobby, but you could take them off to eat your popcorn and stuff like that. So that part was a little weird. Um, and no one wore a mask, by the way. There was, no one, there was like, there was five people out of a hundred that were actually wearing masks, which was weird. There's more. There might have been uh, half. It was half and half either Because way. they didn't allow a lot of people into the foyer at one time, right? So yeah. we didn't see a whole bunch of people at one time. Like for the seven o'clock show, people were waiting outside. Like there was a long line outside because not many people could come into the foyer at once. So yeah. Yeah. So I, that was that. But in, in the theater was pretty cool because they they have everybody taped off. So you your your little seats can't be six feet close to other people's seats. So it was like a dream come true for movie color. <laughs> like no nobody in front you. of you, nobody beside you, nobody <laughs> behind you. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, I really appreciate seeing at the Roxy because that's obviously 
uh, a theater that I remember seeing it at when I was young. Um, I think they had, uh, I think it originally played at the Paramount Theater uh, down on Third Avenue, and then uh, this was pretty fun seeing it uh, at this theater on 20th Street. I, it's a great theater. You look up and they, you know, they renovated so nicely with the stars, and um, I remember seeing it uh, so many times in so many different theaters throughout my life and so many different TVs that it was nice just to sit down and relax and see it. Except, <laughs> except. So we go to the two o'clock show and it was a lot of children and it was just quiet. There wasn't, there was not a peep in the crowd. Everyone just kind of like, no one talked. Um, I think uh, you had heard some children saying they were scared. Yeah, yeah there were some younger children kind of over and back from us. And the only peeps I heard out of these little kids who were kind of um, excited before the movie started, they were a lot of talking, but when the movie was going on, they were quiet. The only thing I heard from them was like, this part's scary. <laughs> <laughs> there is a couple of scary parts in there. There was a couple of scary parts, but at the same time, we had fun. We sat down, we enjoyed at a big popcorn and uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Then we, we bought both tickets for the seven and the two because we really wanted to see it twice. And I'm really glad we saw it at two because the seven o'clock was a totally different experience. Um, yeah. It was just rowdy. There was a lot of rowdy people, a lot of talkers. There was, uh, somebody shot off firecrackers halfway through the show. All of a sudden these firecrackers were like bang, 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 bang. So I was like, I don't know what's going on here but I tried to focus as much as I could just on the movie and uh, it was, it was a hard go. It was a hard two and a half hours of trying to, you know, pay attention as to what's going on on the screen when there's so much going on around us. So it was a great experience and a, a bit of a letdown, the, the seven o'clock show. But I guess when people haven't been out to a movie theater in like four months, people get a little nuts. So when they're at the theater, and that's just yeah, the people are, so. the seven o'clock show was nineteen over, so yeah. there was booze involved. Also, there was booze. There was <laughs> yeah. booze. People were were drinking. So I think people forget how to watch a movie in a theater. Like we had some people who did the talk through the entire thing. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're not on your couch. Yeah. Like they get people get a little too. Um, too, it becomes a little too casual and mm -hmm. you know it wasn't expensive it was an old movie and I think people went there to have fun which is good but the movie became secondary for a lot of people so uh, there, it was definitely a secondary thing but at the same time it was a fabulous experience at two o'clock and I'm really glad the Roxy was able to bring that in uh, I'm looking forward to being a normal person again and watching more movies mm. more movies okay can I ask you some questions about yeah, the movie now that we saw the movie go. to see how Shoot. much you remember? Go ahead. Um, so the scene, oh, this is just an FYI, yeah. kind of a funny trivia thing that I found out. So the scenes where R2 is uh, submerged in that muddy pond. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Yeah. On Dagobah. On Dagobah, yeah. when the ship crashes and R2 is under the water. Did you know that was filmed in George Lucas's unfinished swimming pool, and he filmed most of that. Well, really? the crew was underground operating the R2 and stuff like that. Really? No yeah. way. Well, did, did you not know that? No. Oh, something I, I knew and you did not know. I think, you're make, I think you're just making stuff up now. No, sure. no, no. no. Um, okay, so here's some questions that you could uh, sure. maybe answer. Okay. What was Han Solo's call sign on Hoth? Uh, he was, um, Echo, I think he was Echo 3, wasn't he not? Echo 7. Echo 7. I guessed 3 also, oh, and I was incorrect. Man. Close. Okay, Echo 7, okay, good. Uh, what droid was not seen on Echo Base? 
uh, of R2D2 and C3PO? Or? No, 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 no. Uh, so like of the other kind of droids. So, uh, so between a mouse droid, uh, a Treadwell, a 2-1-B, a Gong. Yeah, these are all, these are all droids I've never heard of. Go. Never heard of a Gong droid. Of course I have. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not studying the movie. I don't know what droid is. <laughs> a mouse. I'm there a, was no mouse on Hoth. Oh, there's no mouse. Sense. Yeah, it's full no of mouse snow, droids, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. It's, Okay, I'm not gonna tell you the next one because the next one's way too easy. Give me one uh, more. It's, we one have, we more. We're out of time. Oh, Give me one more. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, finish this line. Okay. You have learned so much from Obi Wan Kenobi. You have learned <laughs> so much that you cannot learn more. I don't know what. <laughs> so I thought the famous line was like, uh, "You have learned so much, my son," or "You have learned so much." So this Something is Darth like Vader's talking, yes. Darth Vader talking to Luke. Yeah. On the thing. Yeah. The, yeah. Platform, but that's yeah. not what he says. What does he say? Young one. You have learned so much, young one. Oh, young one. Hmm. Huh. My dad, my dad used to call me young one. <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, and now you're old. Old one. He calls me <laughs> old, old one. one. We're all old. That's okay. Um, well, thank you. Uh, we have learned so much as well. And uh, yeah, we're all hoping to get back into theater and having our own experience, safe experiences um, at the cinema. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Punch. Thank you for tuning in here to CFCR 90.5 FM. And we will bring you the nerdy news again in one week's time. Tune in Fridays at 6 here on CFCR.